A few weeks ago, I was reading an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal by the longtime editorialist Peggy Noonan. She's great, by the way. Peggy is. She has an uncanny ability to see through pretty much everyone's BS and to then give the advice of a grandmother on her rocking chair who spent her life witnessing folly. Anyway, a few weeks ago, Peggy was writing during the lead-up to the war in Ukraine and expressing her concerns that, today, the world doesn't take nuclear weapons as seriously as it once did. She said that, today, people are not afraid enough that confusion, miscalculation, and miscommunication could result in a nuclear attack. In short, Noonan was fearful that, today, we are too ready to expect others to behave rationally and soberly. So Noonan decided to adopt a cautionary measure, a counteracting force. She took this measure to prevent her from naively believing that people will act the way they are, you know, supposed to act. She thus wrote, quote, I sort of explain life to myself by assuming everybody's drunk. I sort of explain life to myself by assuming that everybody's drunk. And then she added, in reference to Russia's then prospective invasion of Ukraine, that could literally be true of any Russian general walking through the steps. In short, according to Peggy, it's a good idea to assume other people are drunk. We might consider assuming this not just because people have a tendency to act nonsensically, but also because sometimes they really are drunk. We often encounter other people whose actions and behavior we cannot understand. We ask ourselves, how could she, he, they behave that way? What is wrong with them? Are they insane? But these questions do not bring relief or answers, only more inner turmoil for us as we struggle to grasp the irrational and erratic decisions of others. Yet, if we assume people are drunk, suddenly these questions do not seem so harrowing. Oh, they were drunk. Now it makes sense. You are listening to The Shrift, Life Tip 24, Isaiah 44. Shots, bang, hop out, do you bang to 
100 shots. As we look back into European history, we are often confronted with human behavior which astounds our minds. How could, for example, Henry VIII marry six times and behead two of his wives? How could people believe that bloodletting was a bona fide medical treatment? Why did the English and the French fight each other for more than a century in what would come to be known as the Hundred Years' War? We cannot explain it. And yet, if these people were drunk at the time, the questions become a little bit less mind-boggling. And, in fact, often they really were drunk, like Noonan's hypothetical Russian general. For much of human history, people drank beer or ale far more than they did water. This was because the alcohol and fermentation in beer meant that it was actually safer to drink than water. Water was often at risk of contamination since there were no filtration systems and all kinds of other sanitation problems. I recall visiting the city of Bruges, Belgium, about 10 years ago. It was around noon one day, and I walked into a cafe. As soon as I sat down, the waitress immediately brought me a beer without my having to ask for one. It was like how in America they bring you water as soon as you take your seat, only this time it was beer. It is, I believe, no coincidence that this occurred to me in Bruges, one of the most important cities of the Middle Ages. It is difficult to imagine German culture without beer and vice versa. The word in German for spare chains is Trinkgeld, that is, leftover money, Geld, to be used for purchasing and drinking beer, Trinken. Martin Luther was an avid beer drinker. He was known to be addicted to it, in fact. And his wife, Katie, brewed beer at home. Luther praised his wife endlessly to his friends for this skill. Clearly, beer was a major part of Martin Luther's everyday life. If you ever wonder how Luther had the audacity to burn the papal bull, the viciousness to support the execution of hundreds of thousands of peasants who rebelled against the nobility, and the hatred to write the book on the Jews and their lies, in which he advocated slaying all the Jews for their heresy, don't think that alcohol consumption was not a factor. And even if you don't accept beer as the cause for so much of Luther's vileness, telling yourself it was the cause will at least make you feel a little bit better. The Haftarah for this week comes from the book of Isaiah, chapters 43 and 44. In this Haftarah, we read of Isaiah. We read of Isaiah's absolute disbelief at people who make idols as gods. And rightfully so. I think we can all agree that praying to a little statue made of wood is a bit ridiculous. Here, Isaiah sounds extremely modern. What could be more stupid, Isaiah contends, than building a god out of wood and then praying to it? Indeed, one can hear Isaiah's exasperation, shock, and frustration when one reads these passages. Isaiah describes the entire process of idol creation. First, one must chop down a tree. Then, one must take measurements of the wood. Next, 
The part of the wood which is not used for the idol is burnt in the fire to keep the man warm. And finally, another part of the wood is used to help the man bake bread and to roast meat. The part that remains, the person will fashion into an idol. Isaiah views this entire sequence of idol making with vitriolic mockery. Isaiah simply cannot comprehend how a person could be so intelligent as to know how to chop down a tree, carve wood, kindle a fire, bake bread, roast meat, and then, as his dessert, pray to an idol. Isaiah says in chapter 44, verse 15, quote, Then a man takes the wood and uses it for fuel to warm himself. He kindles the wood and bakes bread, and then he makes a god and bows down to it. Unquote. Three verses later, in pure exasperation, Isaiah says, quote, They know not, neither do they understand, for their eyes are covered so they cannot see, and their hearts that they cannot understand. Just as you and I today look around at certain people in absolute bafflement, Isaiah, too, could not come to terms with human stupidity. Isaiah never assuaged his outrage by considering that perhaps this man was drunk. Indeed, to do so might have helped him to feel more at ease. Because while bowing down to a piece of wood as your after-dinner mint might seem inexplicable, if we knew that the person who did so was drunk, then maybe we could stomach it. A core teaching of mindfulness meditation is to extend compassion to others. It asks that we should wish other people well, even if we don't get along with them, even if they irritate us or even infuriate us. The underpinning of this teaching is that, essentially, we all wish to be happy. Everyone is trying to be happy. But happiness clearly means different things to different people. Moreover, not everyone knows exactly how to make themselves happy. Nevertheless, we all share this desire. The Russian generals roaming through the Ukrainian forests, they are doing this because in some twisted way, they believe it will make them happy. Martin Luther writing a book of anti-Semitic scourges. In his bizarre view of society, he believes the writing of this book will bring him closer to happiness. And the idol worshiper whom Isaiah so ridicules, this craftsman too has built this wooden God because he thinks it will make him happier under his version of what happiness may be. Meditation teaches that, while we may not be able to understand why people behave so chillingly, we can at least empathize with them because they, like the rest of us, are also wishing to make their lives happier or more fulfilling or more meaningful or more peaceful, albeit in their own warped manner. I would then suggest as a life tip that we supplement this teaching for meditation with Peggy Noonan's Weltanschauung, I sort of explain life to myself by assuming everybody's drunk. Sometimes, in order to feel more at peace, in order to have less animosity or ill will toward others, the mantra from Meta Meditation is not enough. It's not enough to think inwardly, well, they're just doing whatever they need to do to make themselves happier. When this consolation does not suffice, you may wish to add on to it, they are just acting like someone who is drunk. So, in short, assume they are drunk, because honestly, there's a decent chance they actually are.